So we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount has been interesting. Uh, last week, uh, I preached on purity and marriage. And we went through the issues about remaining sexually pure and treating marriage with reverence. And today, it's in line with what Jesus just talked about. But it is also quite different. We're talking about oaths, but when I mention the word oaths, I want you to think vows, because they're pretty much very similar, at least in the Greek and Hebrew languages. And what Jesus does here is uh, he attacks a system. Jesus was less about ritual than he was about relationship. Some ritual is good. You should have some ritual. We have rituals here at the church. We, we sing, we, we pray, we do those things. We're not talking about those kind of rituals. What we're talking about today is a legalistic approach to honoring God. And Jesus basically decimates it. So if you were a Pharisee or scribe, uh, sitting in the audience when Jesus is teaching this, you would have been blowing a gasket as we get into what we're going to talk about. First of all, in verse 33, Jesus says, vows are not necessary. I know the word oaths there, but uh, vows is, is prominent throughout. Again, you have heard it said to those of old. Now, what Jesus is referring to is something that was said back in the Old Testament. However, the issue here is not a specific quote from the Old Testament. It is a summary of the teaching of vows and oaths. Like in verse 21, we read, you shall not murder. That's a direct quote from the Old Testament. You shall not commit adultery. That's a direct quote from the Old Testament. Whoever divorces his wife, let him give a certificate of divorce. That is a direct quote from the Old Testament. And Jesus starts here by saying, you shall not swear falsely. Again, Jesus is not attacking a particular command. He is attacking a broad system. He is attacking a very broad system here. More of a summary, if you will. And, and, the, and this word here, swear falsely, epiorco, means to say that you will do something and, and not fulfill the promise. So, <laughs> in a practical sense, have you ever done this? <laughs> God, if you will help me, I promise I will do this. I'm going to tell you, in 30 years of pastoral ministry, if everybody told me what they said to me that they would actually do, we would, we would need a bigger building. It would be a mega church. Um, and you've got to be careful with stuff like this. Again, Jesus is looking at the system as a whole. You shall not swear falsely. Now, what did Moses teach? Because most of these are, are definitely found in Moses' teachings. First of all, Exodus 27, this is what that says. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That word vain, shavah, is the word false. It is the word falseness. So Jesus here is saying you shall not swear falsely. That's found maybe indirectly 
in Exodus, but not quoted directly. What about Leviticus 19, 12? You shall not swear by my name falsely. We look at another one here, Numbers 32. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears on an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. I want you to see the common theme here is a false statement. It is a false statement. What about Deuteronomy 23:21? You shall not make a vow to the Lord. If, if you make a vow to the Lord, you shall not delay in fulfilling it. Vows and oaths are very similar. Actually, the words mean basically the same thing. Here's, here's, the, here's the problem. Jesus says, basically, if I could say this, Jesus says that the only, ultimately, the only reason that people make vows and oaths is because their word is not good enough. That is basically the only reason that, that and Jesus will address it as, as we unpack this. Now, the problem comes in in 33b but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So if you make a vow, if you say, Lord, if you get me out of this tough situation, I promise to attend church every Sunday. I will tell you that is an impossible vow to fulfill. And I tell you, over years, I've heard people say, well, you know, God really answered my prayer. I'm going to be in church every Sunday, and it usually lasts about two weeks. So it's really not good to make a vow knowing darn well that you're not going to fulfill it. And this is what was happening with the Pharisees and the scribes and those religious elite. He says, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Perform. Apodidomi. Apodidomi. And that word means to cause something to happen that has been promised. So in other words, if you're talking to God and you say, God, if I... if Jesus will ultimately say it's better not to say this at all. But if, but if you say, God, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. Jesus said, if you don't do it, you're, fa you're falsely swearing against God. And that becomes problematic. The word sworn, horkos, this is interesting. So he just said, me." that means you have to bring something to pass that you promised. And then horkos is to affirm the truth of a statement by calling on it. I'm just reading you exactly what the theological dictionary of the, of the New Testament calls this word. To affirm the truth of a statement by calling on a divine being to execute sanctions against a person if the statement in question is not true. So when we do stuff like this and we make promises to God, and we don't fulfill them. They are considered a vow. And what happens is, in the vow, when you're making that statement to God, you're asking God to bring on punishment upon you for not fulfilling something that you said that you would do. Now, there's probably been times in my life I've done exactly the same thing. But in my case, I became a preacher, so I guess I'm covered. I don't know. But it's, it's, it's very, very dangerous. I like what uh, Stuart Weber said in his commentary. A biblical vow or oath in the Old Testament was optional. This is not something that you had to do. 
It was optional, above and beyond the promise of offering uh, of an offering to God. Vows were never required, as were the basic tithes. That's Deuteronomy 23.2. But once made, a vow was to be kept. We'll show you how the, you see in the little outline there next is the loopholes. There were tons of them, I'll show you. Um, but it had to be kept. A promise but must not be complicated, legalized, or reduced to technicalities, which the Pharisees and the scribes did. A broken vow was subject to God's judgment. So, <laughs> Jesus is acknowledging, yeah, you guys make these vows. You make these promises. But that's to swear falsely against God. And when we get into this next one, I know we just did one quick verse here, but 34 to 37 really exposes what Jesus is, is talking about. Let your word be good enough. Let your word be good enough. Vows are not necessary. I want to preface this by saying this is in relation to God. This vow right here, the vows that we're addressing here today, is in direct relation to God. It is not in relation to authorities that may require vows. I'll get into that in just, in just a little bit. But Jesus now addresses the loopholes. The loopholes. Knowing a little bit of the history and the culture really helps this thing pop into, into clarity. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all. Do not take an oath at all. And the oath is the word omnuo. Do you know what that means? It's the same word that Jesus used, horkos, which means to call on a divine being to give punishment should you fail to uphold that vow that you made to God. It's the exact same word. Now the bigger question is, what was Jesus talking about? And I know... I know the average Gentile believer, that's us, we, we don't spend a lot of time on Judaism, uh, Messianic Jews, which I love Messianic Jews because they can help explain the Torah much better than a Gentile pastor or uh, scholar. But this is called the Mishnah, the Mishnah Shabbat. And the Mishnah Shavat is dedicated that deals with vows and oaths. They're really interchangeable in my mind. Now, in the Mishnah, they had binding vows and oaths and non-binding vows and oaths. It just depends on what vow you were making. Again, this is in reference to God mostly, but there were references to man-to-man, uh, -man, like when you would make a contract, when you would buy. There are eight chapters devoted to this subject in the Mishnah. Eight chapters. It is crazy. Here's one little sample. I just screenshot this. I think it was Wednesday. Oaths are of two kinds divided into four subgroups. This is, you can see where this is going, right? The laws concerning the discovery of having contracted uncleanness are of two kinds divided into four categories. We go a little bit further. 
The laws concerning carrying on the Sabbath are of two kinds, subdivided into four. Now these subdivisions, as you would well guess, later on in the chapters, becomes other subcategories. So you had all of these all of these different rules and, and laws and regulations. Uh, the symptoms of negus are of two kinds, subdivided into four. And when you get into those four, you find that they're divided into eight, and then they're divided. It's just divided. It's all over the place. So now when Jesus says you shouldn't make an oath at all, you see how this can become messed up uh, you're gonna you're gonna freak when you see this so now we read but I say to you do not take an oath at all either by heaven now let's not read that second part either by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem and do not make an oath by your head okay Jesus exposes the loopholes here Number one, I swore by heaven. Well, since I swore by heaven, I technically do not have to fulfill that, that vow. I do not have to fulfill that because it really wasn't an authorized vow. Oh, but wait a minute, I swore by the earth. I want you to see what Jesus does here. It's very masterful. Swear by earth. Well, since I swore by earth, that, that really applies to a heavenly principle, and therefore I'm not bound by that one either. Okay? I swore by Jerusalem. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had a law for everything they could get out of. There was, there was a law for it. There was this, this ultimate wiggle room where they could just wiggle out of it. When Jesus was teaching this, the system was corrupt. It was, as President Trump would say, the swamp. What about this one? I swore in my head. Therefore, nobody heard it, and I don't have to obey it. It was more of a way of getting out of things than actually doing things. That you could rip somebody off and then say, I never said that. Uh, when I said that, my fingers were crossed behind my back. I don't have to fulfill that. It was a system by which you could negotiate your way out of anything. <laughs> How did Jesus respond to this? And by, by the way, therefore, it was not binding. That's what the Jews were saying. It's not binding. These, when you say this, it's really not binding because I've got a rule that can counter it, <laughs> that can delete that. But how did Jesus respond to this? Oh, you swore by heaven? Oh, God's throne is in heaven. You see what Jesus is doing? He is attacking the loopholes in the Jewish mindset. You see this? I swore by heaven. Oh, you mean the heaven by which God resides. Well, I swore by earth. Oh, you mean God's footstool. 
You see what he's doing? He's bringing God back into the picture and saying, look, the loophole does not cut it. Oh, well, wait a minute. I swore by Jerusalem. You mean where God sets himself up as king? Is that the Jerusalem you're talking about? This would have shot darts right into them. Because what they're, what they're thinking is, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This guy's attacking our system. You mean I can't rip people off and get money and get, and get wealth and build wealth and, and steal and rob and cheat people? I can't do that anymore? Jesus is attacking that system. It was corrupt. Jesus says my kingdom is not of this world. We don't do this in the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what Jesus' argument was. Heaven is God's throne. You swear by heaven, up, oh, you swore by God, because that's his throne. Even if you swore by the earth, and there was a lot of rules on that too, you swore by the earth, no, that's God's footstool. You swear by Jerusalem, Jerusalem's God's holy city, and by the way, he sets himself up as king. Oh, but then I swore by my head, remember that one? And you're kind of wondering, what's the white and gray hairs for? I know you are. You read it and you go, what is he talking about? Head. God is sovereign over the days of our lives. Um, the white, the black and white hairs refer to youth and old age. I know this is very hard to believe, but back in the day, I used to have a lot of hair. <laughs> and those days were a long time ago, but... And yeah, my, my hair's gotten gray. But what Jesus is saying is, even if you swear in your head, in your mind, God is still sovereign over you. There is no wiggle room, guys. I'm not, not talking to you all. I'm talking to the Pharisees and the, and the scribes. The guys that made the, well, that sounds good. Let's do this. And there's, oh, we forgot about this subsection. Let's do this. So there was a lot of dishonesty. You see what Jesus is driving? It's not so much the vow, it's the dishonesty. And I want to encourage you as your pastor, don't say, God, if you'll do this for me, this is in direct relation to God. If you'll do this for me, I will do this. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Just say, Lord, would you help me? And I, one, one of my favorite scholars said the reason that they invented vows and oaths were because people's word was not enough. Oh, and by the way, Jesus said, therefore, these are binding. You might have sworn by heaven, but God sits on his throne there. You might have sworn by the earth, but that's God's footstool. You might have sworn by Jerusalem, but that's where God sets himself up as king. You might have sworn in your head, but God is sovereign over your head. You can't change one hair on your head. None of us have control over the stages of life. Do you know why? Because God is sovereign over our lives. Nothing happens to us that God is not aware of. Anything that takes place in your life, God knows. And thank God he knows the future. Not all Pharisees were bad, not all scribes were bad, but a bulk of them were. 
a bulk of them were. And Jesus is saying here, he picks this apart again later. I'm going to give you an example of further loopholes that the Pharisees and the scribes did to not honor what they said. Now, just a second. I want to read this by, uh, this is the, uh, to swear by one's head as though one were the master of it is to forget that God's power and man's weakness are displayed here in the fact that God alone makes one's hair black or white. Dark in youth, white in old age. This enables man to see his nothingness, for it is not in his power to fix his age or alter anything after that. You cannot alter something that you've made to God, that you've dedicated to God. God will require it of you. Now, I actually forgot that slide was in there. Even on my paper, I forgot the slide was in there. But here's what Jesus attacked later on in the Gospel of Matthew. Woe to you blind guides! who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated to keep it. So I swore by the temple. My hand wasn't touching the gold. You see the laws that they had? Well, then he says, fools blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple? That sanctifies the gold. Jesus is attacking their their little, um, I don't know what the best, their, their, their little plan for being able to wiggle out of things. And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. So you come up here, you swear by the altar. Uh, that's, that's really nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on the altar, then he must obey it and give it. Jesus says, fools, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that, sacrificed, uh, that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar or swears by it and by all things on it, he must obey that. You see what Jesus is doing? He's attacking a system that is corrupt. You could go to the altar and you could say, I'm going to leave my gift, but I really didn't leave the gift on the altar. So I can come back and I can take it and walk out. Or, or you heard me make that vow by, by the temple. It wasn't by the gold, even though the guy's hand might have been sitting on the gold, <laughs> touching it. You know what this is really about? This is really about character. This is really about character. Listen to this. Let what you say simply be yes or no. That kind of... <laughs> let's just cut the red tape, right? Just say yes or no. Actually, Jesus did swear when... Not swear like cussing, but he did swear when he was on trial. That, yes, I am the Son of God. So Jesus, in, in, in the context of uh, the government, in that case, he made a vow, but it was on the authority of the government. He actually said, yes, I am the Son of God. You know, and, But here he says, listen to this. Let what you say simply be yes or no. 
you don't need 483 different rules with subsections of subsections of this, that, or the other. Uh, just say yes or no. The word yes is nigh. Is nigh, and it means yes, it is true. Just, just get rid of all this complicated system. The word no is ooh. Nigh ooh. No, which means a negative response in an absolute sense. So, anything more comes from evil. Paneros. Paneros is the Greek word for Satan. Anything else comes from Satan. Do you know what Jesus just did there? He said, the system that you guys have rigged is not of my father. It comes from Satan. Because Satan's character, Jesus is really here, really hitting the character issue. People were being stolen. They were stealing. Priests were corrupt. They made these little rules and laws to get out of things. Uh, Jesus says, my disciples will be people of integrity. Yes, no. That's true, that's false. Keep it simple. I love what John Stott, John Stott wrote this. What Jesus emphasized in his teaching was that honest men do not need to resort to oaths. In relation to God... It is not that they should refuse to take an oath if required by some external authority. What Jesus, you notice, God, footstool, all of this is in relation to God that Jesus is, is dealing with. So the question is, is it wrong? Is it wrong? Now, that's in relation to God. That's what Jesus is talking about. Is it wrong when you are called as a witness at a trial to say, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Is that wrong? No. No, because God established governments, and therefore the government says that you have to be sworn in, and therefore you have to obey the government. Go look at Jesus' trial. He had basically do the same thing. That's not the kind of oaths Jesus are talking about. What about when you sign, many of you in here have bought a new car, right? And you sign down at the bottom, or maybe a used car that you got financed. You had to sign a piece of paper that says, I swear that I will make the payments. Is that a wrong oath? No, I, that's, that has nothing to do with, with God. Um, our trail life kids, our trail life kids take an oath. On my honor, I will do my best to serve God and my country, to respect authority, to be good stewards of God's creation, and to treat others as I would want to be treated. Although there is a reference to God in here, it is not directed at God. It's to the trail life organization. Therefore, I do not see that falling under this category. 
So we do have to be careful. There's some things, authorities, organizations, clubs, I don't see those as problematic. What I do see it as problematic is when you make the oath to God directly, that becomes problematic. I'm not telling you when if you get called to testify on somebody and you go before the, my pastor said I don't have to do this. I am not telling you that. I am not telling you. You must do that because the government has established that. Here's, here's, here's the deal. It's here. This is what integrity is. Jesus here is talking about our personal relationship to him. And it should just be, you know, yes, no. We live in a day where, word, where our word means very little nowadays. Have you noticed that? Have you ever had somebody say something to you? I'm going to do this for you, and they never do. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I'm, this may be a little political. I don't, I don't trust any politician. Because you hear them talk, 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 and their word means absolutely nothing. Both sides of the fence. Absolutely nothing. That's not how we want to project to the world. When we say something, we want people to go, you know what, I can trust that person. They are a person of integrity, or that is a woman of integrity. That's a man of integrity. You know, anytime we're asked a question point blank, we should just answer it. We don't need to, we like doing our own little, our own little wiggle room. I didn't say that. I didn't say those exact words. You, you sing that. Just be people of integrity. That's what Jesus is saying. He just cut it. He said, you Pharisees and scribes, boy, you guys got some really complicated stuff. I'm going to give you a brilliant solution, yes or no. Be truthful or it's a lie. Simple. So, um, ultimately for our relationship to God, vows are not necessary because we have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, living in our hearts. However, on a secondary note, we need to make sure that what we say is accurate and what we say is truthful and not a lie. So that's what I have for you today. Uh, pray that God would have opened your eyes on some things, at least in these verses. Uh, and like I said, not every Pharisee, not every scri scribe was corrupt, but there was a multitude that were. So I don't want to lump all of them in that same category, but there was quite a few. And they loved wiggle room. They loved it. So my encouragement is when you tell somebody you're going to do something, just do it. When you say, God, I'm going to do this for you, just do it. Without any conditions of what you, what you might reap in return. Just say, God, I feel like doing this.